Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We're excited to have Dr. Bob Helmer, President of Baldwin Wallace University, as our guest. So I always like to start with your your personal journey, you know, and, and I, I, I like to ask the question, who are the mentors that really helped shape your journey to the presidency? Well, for that, I'm going to start with my dad, um, who passed away just a few weeks ago. So mm. he's he's foremost on my mind. But uh, dad grew up on a farm, youngest of nine. And uh, for dad, it was he was a great example of somebody who worked hard, never thought more of himself than anyone else, and understood that he could only succeed in life with the help of others. And that, that example from, you know, coming from his childhood and all the stories he would tell, uh, that, really, that really shaped my life that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what title you have. You know, it goes back to calling me Bob. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me what title you have, what degree you have. You know, you're part of a team. You're part of a group. And uh, everybody has a role to play and you work hard. And at the end of the day, you can look back and be satisfied that you did a good job. So that that comes from my dad. Um, and, you know, this, this will sound hokey in some ways, but I honestly believe everybody I work with is a mentor. Um, from the groundskeepers here at the university to the provost, whose office is right around the corner. If, the way I think of mentors, they're people that I can learn from that can help make me a better person. And the time I spend with the arborist who oversees all the trees on our campus, he's a great example of someone who, who can model for me dedication, um, continuing education, always trying to be better. He, he's a mentor for me, as is the pro. I, every, everybody I work with in some ways, I see as a mentor. And I try to push that out to campus as well, that uh, we should all view each other as people we can learn from and be better by having interacted with them. So I, I know that sounds a little hokey. You know, it, it's not, you know, John F. Kennedy or something. It's not, it's not one individual, but it's, it's everyone. I, I learn from everyone. Well, but I, I think, you know, in, in my experience, I, I think that's it's so true, you know. And, and when you look at an institution like Baldwin Wallace, you know, you have roughly 3,300 students. And so, you know, that maybe you can talk a little bit about, about relationships, right? And that ability to get to know students and the students to get to know you as the president and, and maybe compare that with, you know, a flagship state school where you have 40, 50, 60,000, you know, Ohio State, I think over 70,000 now, where, you know, hey, there's pros and cons to each. But can you talk to me about Baldwin Wallace and just that intimate setting that allows you to build relationships with everybody? Yeah, the pros and cons to each. You you would just never find me at a flagship state university, um, a, a school like BW, and, and we usually refer to ourselves as BW. Baldwin Wallace is an awfully long name. Um, a school like BW with thirty three hundred students, we are in the sweet spot for a size where. You can do all kinds of great things. Um, we can bring in name speakers. We can host events. We're a great size, big enough to do amazing things, and yet small enough 
that everybody knows each other. And, you know, I, um, most nights I have students over to my house for some, I live on campus. Last night I had 30 students over Monday night. I have, everybody knows each other. I, I can walk campus and I, I'm not going to say every student, but almost every student looks at me and says, Oh, there's the president. There's president Helmer. Hi, president Helmer. Yeah. As I say, let's put it this way. As I say to prospective students, because I usually get in front of groups of prospective students once a week, when I'm with prospective students, I say to them, the one advice I give you, if you want to be anonymous, if you want to be at a university where you can be anonymous, do not come to BW. We are not the place. We call ourselves a community, and that's the word I use. Um, And I started this 20 years ago when I was first a president. I started typing my first email to campus and I typed dear faculty and staff. And then I thought to myself, hmm, no. So I backspaced, got rid of faculty and staff and I put dear community. Um, and I, so I tell prospective students, if you want to belong, if you want a sense of belonging, BW is a great school. So, you know, th- that's kind of how I think of it. It's, we're, we're just a perfect size. Well, and, and, and how have you grown since you began in 2012? You know, you're frankly, you're one of the longest tenured presidents that we've interviewed with our as far as our podcasts. So clearly you're doing you're doing something right. And and as far as the growth, when you started in 2012, what have you seen from an enrollment standpoint? And then maybe you can also talk a little bit about how you're able to achieve such a high retention rate. Yeah. um, Yeah. I've I've been doing this a long time. I'm in in my 20th year as a president. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think in Ohio, I'm, I'm <laughs> if not the longest, like second or third. Um, here, at, here at BW, you know, we have seen some decline. Uh, demographic decline here in northern Ohio has been a challenge. Um, so our headcount has declined slightly. Most of that has been in the adult population, which is a market that BW, before I arrived, had decided not to play in anymore. We, we used to be very big in the adult population um, back before others came into the market. Um, retention, you know, we only want to accept students if we can, if we believe they'll be successful. Otherwise, we think it's unethical to accept students. So retention, persistence, that's really important for us. Um, we have support systems in place. About 25% of our students are Pell eligible students. And so, you know, this comes up at the state level. Sometimes there's a a perception that the independent universities um, only accept the wealthy students. Um, That is not the case for BW at all. Um, But that's that's part of our mission. Um, I I don't know if you know the history of BW, founded in 1845 for diversity and inclusion. Um, And that we've, I can tell that story if you want to hear it, but, uh, but we've carried that through. And so when we accept students, we try to provide all the wraparound services a student might need to be able to persist. And so our retention rate, you know, is, is good. 83, 84%. Um, we're, we're pleased with that. Always striving to be better, but there, there comes a point in higher ed where you can't expect to get much higher. Yeah, it's, it's amazing retention. And, you know, maybe we can talk about some of the initiatives that you're currently working on, and maybe we can start with the visit grant. Yeah, can you talk to us about that. So, 
I don't, we don't like playing the tuition discount game. Um, our tuition discounting has not risen dramatically for at least the 10 years I've been here. We've kept it flat, maybe up 1%. Um, and so what we try to do is we try to be very strategic with our use of funds. And we know from data, uh, and, and we have become very, very strong in data analytics. And, and you see that in our enrollment function, as well as our business processes. But on the enrollment side, if a prospective student visits campus, we will yield them at about 38% versus a student who doesn't visit campus, that's about 10%. And, and, and I honestly don't know how that compares to other schools. But we look at that and we say, okay, our best, our best driver of enrollment is going to be having students visit us. Um, and, you know, we're in Cleveland. Well, we're in Berea. Uh, the, the two things in Berea are us and the Cleveland Browns, right? Every, everything for the Cleveland Browns, except for the stadium down on the lakefront, is two blocks from our campus. Um, so BW and the Browns. Um, other than that, we're, in, we're here and, you know, let's, let's take the weather. Six, my computer says 64 degrees today. And here it is November. Yeah. Very unusual. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. What we've seen is it doesn't matter if a prospective student visits our campus in September or in December or in February or in April. If a student comes to our campus and they experience us, and th this, is, this is what we emphasize, because at the end of the day, it, an English degree at BW probably looks very similar to an English degree at one of the flagship state universities from a curriculum standpoint. And so we believe it's the people. It, it, it's the people of this university that makes it what it is. And so the visit grant is one way of saying, we, we believe if we are the place for you, that uh, you'll thrive here. And the best way for you to know if we're the place for you, come visit us. Come experience BW. Well, and and I know you also have you know grand visions for the future. Um, the master capital plan that that you started you know putting together. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know I find it very interesting um, as far as your enrollment targets and looking at the Midwest and expanding brand expanding brands. So could you talk a little bit about that vision? And again, I think it kind of ties into what you had said earlier about declining 18 year old uh, students, but then also adult online, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you shape that a little bit. Sure. Sure. 90% of our students come from a 270 mile radius of our campus. So rounded off to 300 miles. So if 90% of our students come from that 300 miles, there are still cities and communities, <clears throat> excuse me, in that 300 miles that don't know us as well as they should. And so our planning looking out into the future is to ensure that everybody in this region knows BW, understands who we are, that uh, yes, yes, we have a core curriculum, which is big in communication, analytics, group thinking, critical thing, all that. But our majors, you know, the majority of our majors are in business, computer science. We have the number one music theater program in the United States. Um, so master planning is looking to ensure, one, that our reputation is known 
And then secondly, that we have in place the facilities, the people to support our faculty and students. And so, you know, during the pandemic, we built a $25 million computer science uh, facility. Um, our cybersecurity teams have competed nationally with great success, but they were, they were being operated out of, well, honestly, it was an old grade school that, that is here on our campus. Um, so brand new $25 million computer science building, performing arts. Um, BW is known here in our region for our performing arts, music, theater, opera, theater, and our conservatory of music. Totally out of space. Uh, when, the, when the theaters on our, we have two major theaters on campus. They were built 50 years ago. Uh, we were not as well known in the performing arts world as we are today. So clearly we need to build a new center for performing arts, which will elevate our brand. Um, as we as we move forward. So we're looking at the 18 to 22 year olds that uh, we know can succeed here. And, th and then working with businesses, municipalities, communities on professional development, on adult education, on degree completion. Uh, here in Ohio, the number of adults that uh, are looking to complete degrees is actually larger than the number of 18 year olds. And so an opportunity for us to to make a difference in our, in our community. John Baldwin, back to 1845, when John Baldwin founded this university, he did so because his mom couldn't get into college because she was a woman. And an acquaintance who was African-American because of his race. And so Baldwin, he, he quarried stone, or sandstone. Um, he took his money and he started Baldwin University so that people, regardless of race, gender, or creed, could attend higher education, and the earlier, the earliest uh, marketing posters, or however they did it back in 1845, BW was the place, well, it was bald, it wasn't, the, the Wallace wasn't there yet, it was Baldwin University. It was the place you go to get good, to do good, and that do good is important to us. Well, and, and, you know, let's talk a little bit about resilience, right, and, and we'd love for you to expand on, on that history you know, you, you hear of the enrollment cliff, right? And you hear about, again, the declining number of 18-year-olds, especially in the Northeast, you know, what that looks like. But can you talk to me, too, about, you know, BW? And as you mentioned, it has a long history. You know, you've been through many cliffs and challenges that have faced the institution. Can you talk a little bit about that resiliency? Yeah, Um yeah, BW has been here 177 years. Um, we're closer to our 200th than we are to our 150th. So we've been here a long time. Uh, and, and you're right. When you, when you look at the history of a university as old as BW, I mean, we were founded, you know, a couple decades before the Civil War. So we've been through the Civil War, the Depression, World War II. But BW has been resilient. Um, we certainly saw that through the pandemic. Um, we were one of the few universities here in our part of the state that, uh, with the exception of those first couple months, you know, April and May of 20, we had to, we had to shut down then the governor made everybody shut down, but August of 20, we were back up in person. Um, and, <laughs> and it really commencement in 2020, I was in one of our theaters. It was me and a camera and I was live streaming commencement. Um, it was awful. It was just uh, because commencement's a day where we packed thousands of people into our rec center. 
And uh, it's just this huge community celebration. Commencement May of 20, it was me and a camera. And uh, I said all the right words, right? Confer your degrees with all the rights, privileges, thereto appertaining, all that fancy words. Um, And then on Monday, when I got into the office, I got the leadership together and I said, I am never doing that again. (laughs) That That was not us. And so we spent the summer We spent the summer of 20 scenario planning every single day. Um, What if this happens? What if that happens? How would, so that by the time August, and we announced we were going to be open in person and other universities here in our area said they were going to stay online for the fall of 20. Uh, We announced we were going to be open in person. It was probably August 15th. One of the vice presidents looked at me and said, well, Bob, do you think we can pull it off? And I said, I honestly have no idea. But I do know that we've done everything we can to be successful. And we came back together, the BW community, and, and we did it. We, we navigated through the pandemic. Our students had as close to a, to a usual experience as possible. Last night, I, I had several juniors and seniors in my house, and they were commenting that uh, even starting as a freshman in 20, they felt like they had a great experience compared to friends of theirs that had gone to other schools. And so resilience, I think that comes from uh, a common purpose and dedication to fulfilling that purpose. And the BW community did that. Well, and I know you're looking to continue to expand and build. And can you talk a little bit about the, the importance of athletic play, athletics plays? You have acrobatic cheerleading, you have men's and women's bowling, you have women's wrestling. And I know that part of the master campus plan is is to expand, right, and build fields and probably weight rooms and things like that. Can you talk a little bit? About, what's the percentage of athletes that you have on campus? Yeah, it, it, for a for an independent school here in Ohio, it's relatively low. It's less than twenty five percent of our okay. students are student athletes. Um, we have a long tradition of athletics. A great, you know, national champion football team. Our we have a long tradition of athletics here. Um, looking at those those four sports you just said, men's and women's bowling, stunt, and women's wrestling, um, those will be the next ones. Um, we do need to work on some facilities to support those, uh, in particular wrestling. Um, wrestling right now shares space in the rec center. It's not ideal, but our wrestling team is always ranked in the top 10 in the United States. Uh, one of our wrestlers just won the national championship in his weight class last semester. And uh, another wrestler in his weight class was the national runner up. So we have great success in wrestling. We want to make sure the facilities meet that, but bringing in these sports, you know, it it is a way little by little to stabilize and grow the enrollment. Um, I don't, I don't want BW and we don't want BW to be a school that is predominantly student athletes. Uh, We're very pleased with 25% of our students, 24, 25% of our students being student athletes. Um, As I say, as I say to the students, athletics brings a school spirit and a school pride that you just can't get in any other way, right? Watching a game winning touchdown or a, a track runner, you know, winning, you just can't get that in any other way. Um, so we want to expand athletics, but but not in a not in a huge way, just bit by bit to uh, bring a few more students to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and as you're looking at, at your degrees and, and you're looking at the local community and businesses, how do you work with businesses to make sure that, that your degrees um, and your experiences for students are in line with workforce needs of today and the future? Yeah, that, that is really important to us. Um, it's important to me personally. Here in Northeast Ohio, the economic development arm is Team NEO. Neo Northeast Ohio. And there's a talent development council that's part of that. And, and I'm on that council. And so on a regular basis, I meet with industry CEOs, industry leaders to talk about, you know, how does, how does BW, how does higher ed meet the needs of the workforce today? Um, but the vast majority of our academic programs have external advisory councils. And so the, my real answer to your question would be, we invite industry into campus or we go to them. And, you know, I've just in the past couple months, I've met with the accounting advisory board, the school of business advisory board, the computer science advisory board. These are industry leaders who sit down with our faculty and our department chair or our dean. And, and we, we tell them, be honest, you know, be blunt, <laughs> Is, is the product that we're turning out, our alumni, are they, are they the workers you need? Is this what you're looking for? And they've helped shape our curriculum, and it's, it's been invaluable. So where do you see BW in the next five years or 10 years? I think in the next 10 years, we'll be a little bit bigger. We will be even more well-known here in our region in this 270-mile, 300-mile radius. Um, what I really want is for BW to be indispensable to the economic and community development of our region. Um, I take really seriously, and I think we do as a university, our responsibility to this community in which we exist, in which, where we live. Um, so we really want to be a catalyst for transformation economically um, through our graduates, through community development. You know, go, going back to John Baldwin, come, come to this university to get good so that you can go out and do good. Um, that, has, that has been a hallmark of our university for 177 years. We just want to do more of it. Um. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Bob, I know you've, you spoke about the history of BW. I'd like to spend just a little bit more time. It deserves a, a continued conversation about, first of all, John Baldwin and, and what he's done, not just in the U.S. I know he was in India. He set up multiple schools around the world. So true visionary of his time and, and how, you know, your institution has been through civil war, uh, you know, as, as a non-segregated school. Um, it's been through World War One, World War Two, depression. It's, it's a long. So for our listeners, open up that history a little bit. I think it'd be very beneficial to all of us. So, okay, so, so Baldwin, if you look at pictures of him, mm -hmm. he, he was an incredibly humble man. Um, 
The biography that's written of him is called Barefoot Millionaire because he rarely wore shoes. Oh, um, he, he would constantly give shoes away to people who needed them. So he was almost always barefoot, um, never particularly well-dressed, um, just a very humble man, a very, a very dedicated Methodist. And we were a Methodist university up until just about three years ago um, when, we, when we severed the connection between the Methodist church. And I can talk about that. Um, but so coming from Baldwin, uh, this this concept that nothing should get in the way of higher education, um, that an education was the key not only to developing the person, but to developing the world. And so throughout our entire history, we have worked hard not to have any barriers in place that would keep someone from, from recognizing their potential, which a kind of a trite phrase, but but it works from recognizing their potential, realizing their potential. Um, so if if you take our connection to the Methodist Church, um, I think it was 2018, 18, 19, I think it was 2018 is when the Methodist Church reaffirmed its ban on same-sex marriage. Hmm. When the Supreme Court uh, made its decision in 16, we immediately began allowing our chapel to be used for same-sex marriage. Um, the Methodist Church reaffirmed its ban on that, and the Board of Trustees unanimously, with the Methodist minister participating, uh, unanimously decided to sever the ties with the Methodist Church, that uh, that had become a barrier to the student body of BW, all students, being able to achieve their potential. And so I, I offer that as an example, just to, to give a sense of how deep we feel that commitment to tearing down barriers so that people, regardless of race, creed, gender, gender identity, it, it doesn't matter to us. Anyone who comes to this university, we want to support them in being themselves and in being the best person they can possibly be. So it is a long history of that. It's interesting because a lot of uh, colleges who are associated with the Methodist Church are called Wesleyan, right? So um, I know there's also the Ohio Wesleyan College. And uh, I believe in the 70s, you almost merged with them as well uh, at some point. It, at some, there, were, there were five Methodist schools in Ohio, Ohio Wesleyan, Mount Union, um, Ohio Northern. It's it's been so long since I've thought about this. There were five. We're the we're the ones who severed the ties. The other four remained with the church. Um, we we decided to go our own way and be a truly independent university. So I know President Obama, you know, spoke at BW in two thousand eight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, on the campaign trail. On a campaign trail. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? How was that that experience? Uh, did, did you, uh, I mean, uh, is, is there a particular reason aside campaigning why, why you chose BW? Uh, so we, we have a fairly long tradition of, of political figures stopping here on the campaign trail. Mm -hmm. uh, as much as I would like to think it's about our dedication to diversity. It's about our long history. The fact is we're seven minutes from the airport. Uh, 
Okay. So, so honestly, being seven minutes from Cleveland Hopkins International Airport uh, is a really good thing. So, we, I mean, we, you know, we've had Bernie Sanders was here, Paul Ryan and Condoleezza Rice were here. Um, we, we've, when, when one party asks, we always extend the invitation to the other. We want to be balanced in our approach. And, and that's been important for us. Um, back in the 2016 election cycle, uh, we had Newt Gingrich came to campus to talk to our students, and we had Van Jones come with him so that we had both sides. Uh, and and it, was, it was great. They were on stage together. They respected each other. It was civil. And our students came away with a really great understanding of the issues that night. Um, but I guess to answer your question, we're seven, we're seven minutes from the airport. And, and that goes to a point of being a perfect size, right? So you, you're big enough. So people want to do this, this stomping, camping stomps and, and come and talk to the students and what have you. So that, that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think, you know, along these lines, when I think about BW in the future, I think more than ever today, geography matters. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio has a lot of universities. There's a lot of colleges and universities. There's 51 independent here in Ohio. Um, geography matters. You know, we we here at BW, we're in a great location. We're in the small town of Berea, an incredibly safe community. And in 18 minutes, I can be in downtown Cleveland, where our students are doing internships with the Cleveland Guardians, the Cavs, the business community, the Art Museum, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 18 minutes, we're in Cleveland right there. And so geography matters. It, It matters when people think about stopping here, but it also matters for our students and their success. No, thank you for that. Um, about your journey, so you you went to two Catholic university, Notre Dame and Marquette, uh, I believe, for your education. And interestingly enough, then you went to law school. To tell us about that academic journey. It's very interesting. <laughs> um, I had always wanted to go to law school. Um, I. I, I was I was on the faculty at Lourdes University, Lourdes College at the time. Um, I had always wanted to go. I had my PhD. I always wanted to go to law school. I got to know the dean of the law school at the University of Toledo. We were chatting one night, and he said, "You know, why don't you come over and get your law degree in the evening program?" Uh, my wife and I were expecting our first child. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, if I start now, I'll be done before she's in kindergarten, <laughs> which, which, which I'm, I'm not sure my wife thought that through because that meant she had to take care of the baby a lot. But uh, it, it was it was just something I had always wanted to do. And, and I do believe my wife still expects me to come home someday with the uh, with the medical college exam, looking <laughs> looking to get an M.D., um, I'm an incredibly curious person, so I love learning new things. I I have my bar card; it's in my wallet. Um, I passed the bar exam. Just never hire me as an attorney. <laughs> this is far more interesting uh, what you're doing as far as changing lives and and, and what you've done in your career. I, I did I did read up a little bit about your Baldwin Wallace Conservatory of Music uh, being the oldest collegial Bach festival in the nation 
and and obviously you're well known for for music and theater and the arts um um i mean as a liberal arts college just if you don't mind dive into that what does that mean to the ethos of your of your of the education at bw yeah uh i i'm not sure we're a liberal arts college um we have the liberal arts but yes. the majority of our students are in pre-professional programs. It seems like, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the Conservatory of Music is, is a long-standing entity on our campus. Um, we, as you said, we have the nation's oldest collegiate Bach festival. We actually, um, because of the founder of the conservatory, um, we have in a vault several of Bach's manuscripts, um, we, we have, we've over the over the decades quite a collection has come to us, and so in, in vaults we we have many different things, um, but it, it's part of our history. Um, you know, it goes back many decades. The Bach, I think, our Bach Festival is probably the ninetieth year, ninety first year. Um, it, it's been around a long time. We're recognized here in Northeast Ohio for our conservatory. Our music theater program is stellar. Uh, the Cle- Cleveland Plain Dealer oftentimes, when they review our productions, will say there's no need to go to Broadway when you have Baldwin Wallace in your backyard. Um, and our students, all graduating seniors, have had signed agents before they graduate for years and years. Um, so it, it's a niche we have. It's not it's not large. The music theater program, we audition well, probably nearly a thousand for the program. We accept about 18, 19, 20 students wow. every year. Wow, that's um, selective. It's very, it's, it's obviously the most selective program. That and physician assistant. Those are, those are our two most selective programs on campus. Uh, so the conservative, it's a niche that we have well known for here in Northeast Ohio. And, and you know, the arts, I, I love the art. The arts just bring a dimension to human experience that in the same way that athletics does, the arts do as well. Um, just, well, I just said in, this, in a different way, in a different way that athletics does, the arts brings a dimension that you can't get in, a, in any other way. So. And I want to kind of dive a bit more into your academic excellence. I mean, you're nationally ranked for a lot of your majors, right? Uh, on Plexus, we actually have a student outcome ranking, I'll share some of our ranking for you as well. Uh, th- th- there are multiple majors uh, over 15 on Plexus that you're actually either ranked top five in the state of Ohio. Um, and then, nat- I mean, you know, incredible in software engineering. Uh, you have majors around sports science, uh, obviously the, the the arts, public health, Um Early childhood education, you, you're nationally ranked, very well known for that. And so as, as, as a veteran president, as someone, I mean, someone who's been doing this for a long time, I mean, um, how do you balance all the, you know, business side of managing such a, you know, vast university and still improving on your academics year over year? That's a that's a great question. Um, I I personally am never satisfied, um, which which is disappointing sometimes to people. We can we can have the most incredible event, and I will say the next day that was incredible. 
how do we do better next year? <laughs> because I just always believe we can improve no matter how good we are. And, and so we, we, I, tr I try to have that culture in all of our, all of our work here that uh, there's just always going to be an opportunity for us to be better. Um, on the academic excellence side, a lot of our success has come from our connections with industry. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the fact that we don't, we don't sit around a table ourselves and try to figure out how we can be excellent. We bring, we bring the industry in and together we're able to, to bring improvements to, to the work we do. So it's important, it's, it's important to us. It's part of our culture that uh, no matter how, how well we've done, how do we continue to improve? And, and I think, you know, it, as that has taken root, it continues to move the university up in rankings. Um, it allows us to be innovative. I, I think one of the one of the national rankings said we're the third most innovative in the Midwest, um, innovative universities. And so, you know, th those and also the other ranking I'm really happy about is friendly for veterans. Um, that the the veteran population here in Cleveland is large. And uh, to be able to serve that population, men and women who have served our country, that that's important to us as well. So, well, I'm I'm sure your campus was split last Sunday on the football game, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we sh we should have all literally. I mean, for, I don't know how much you know about the Browns, but yes, I mean I the Browns. They used to be right here on our campus. I mean, our our football facility today used to have Cleveland Browns on it. And it was Art Modell's office was there. It's oh wow! And our football field was one of the first that were turfed was turfed here in Ohio because the Browns did it for us. So, so so you're literally a, a dog pound for the for the Browns as a campus. We two literally <laughs> two blocks. Two my house is on the north side of campus, and two city blocks further north is everything for the Browns except for the stadium. So you've been a president for three decades now. I mean, approaching three decades in, in, the, in both institutions. When you look at the environment of higher learning and post-secondary education, how has it changed as from 2003 up to now during your tenure as president on two different institutions? Twenty years ago, 20, 20 21 years ago when I started. If, if it never would have occurred to me that I would have to argue for the value of a bachelor's degree with mm. state legislators, with business leaders. I, 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 was, I was one that believed a bachelor's degree was a standard degree for our country. And today, there's, there's a lot of people that aren't convinced that bachelor's degrees are worthwhile. Um, so I, I have seen higher ed, and, and, and maybe appropriately so, um, maybe, maybe higher ed, maybe we took ourselves for granted too much 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, we, have, we have had to much stronger connect the dots between what we do and the impact we have in businesses and communities that we are a part of. Um, and that's something we're, we're really working hard on here at BW, connecting those dots. Uh, we are not an ivory tower university, and most, most universities aren't. Most mm -hmm. universities, 
really are rooted in their communities um, and want to make a difference in their and have made a difference in their communities. Maybe maybe we just took it for granted too much. And so I, I think it's incumbent upon us in higher ed, certainly here at BW, to be able to clearly articulate how what we do on this campus makes a difference for, for us in this 270-mile region. So the perception of higher education has changed. Um, I think the perception has and, and, you know, one of the research that is available out there, but we also did that in our own institution, was looking at trends of different demographics. And what we're noticing is the, the, the largest drop, one of the largest drops is around male Caucasian or white students um, actually foregoing college and going to vocational programs directly. Are you also seeing that in Ohio? I, I think as a state we are. Uh, we're, not, we're not seeing that here at BW. Um, at BW, we're, we're slightly more women than men, but not, not disproportionately so. Um, we're 25% students of color at BW, mm -hmm. which for an independent university is a good percentage. Um, but that, that's, that's our history of diversity and inclusion. Um, but but you're right. There are there are populations that are viewing higher education, and certainly in today's climate, you know, with hiring and lack of workers in the workforce, um, it, people are maybe wondering, why do I need to go to college when I can be paid eighteen, nineteen? I there was a sign down the street not too far from me that uh, eighteen dollars to work at one of the fast food restaurants, and uh, eighteen dollars at 52 weeks a year, that's, that's, it's not an awful wage. No, no, absolutely not. But, 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 but we need to make the case that higher ed, certainly a school like BW, we're about more than a job, right? The, whatever, whatever job someone's able to get today for 18 that job might not be here in five years and new jobs are going to be here in 10 years. And so, what we do is we're not we're not preparing students necessarily for for particular jobs. It's for a career where you're able to adapt, to be relearning, to be able to think critically and make a contribution wherever wherever your career takes you. And and that's that's a wonderful ending. So universities, if if you're looking for a job, you could get a job. If you're looking for a, a sustainable career post-secondary education is going to give you far more tool set than just getting, you know, the next five years, but it's, it's the next 40 years that you're going to be working. I think if you're looking for a life well-lived, mm -hmm. if at the end of it all, you want to look back and say, I had a life well-lived. I think a, a university is a place that gives you a lot of the skills, the exposure, the development of the person it really prepares you well for being able at the end to look back and say, I had a life well lived. Well, Bob, it is a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so, so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks I a lot, appreciate Bob. The, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. 
For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.